0: Welcome to the Code Locker. The Code Locker where the hosts and guests will discuss real aspects of code enforcement from the locker room without bias. We'll talk about inspections, safety, community relations, debrief cases, and much more. This is for entertainment purposes only. The views expressed on this podcast reflect the opinions of the hosts and guests. They do not reflect the opinion of any department or entity. Now, grab a chair and your beverage of choice. Here are your hosts, Justin and Shane. What's up, code enforcers?
1: What's, going
0: on? Host, What's going on? This is your host, Justin.
1: Hey, Shane, Shane, Shane. Hey, Shane's
0: here too. How's everybody doing? This is our second episode of our Code Locker podcast. uh We've already got uh, over a million subscribers, I think I saw online. That's right, but a million and one this morning. It's looking good. It's it's
1: increasing every day. Um, so we're absolutely. glad to be back. It's a, it's a good pace.
0: They haven't canceled us yet.
1: No. <laughs> not yet it's still so early think,
0: well i was thinking you know as a good twist we could start the podcast off by reading chapter one of the building code uh word for okay. word so we'll turn it into a study session if everybody wants to open up their their building code books right now let no, me I'm know just... when you're
1: done and wake me up <laughs> i'm just kidding yeah no <laughs> or that's, maybe not that's, uh... Yeah. Man, we don't read anything like that.
0: I think it'd be good for us to talk about the profession. What the heck is it? Uh, how do you get into it? What's what's the whole uh, deal with code enforcement profession? Uh, whether you're new to code enforcement, interested in code enforcement, you're uh, a resident that just likes to hear our podcast, or um, you're a veteran code officer that wants to relate to some, some of the stories. But I think, Shane, uh, if you want to, Start off with your in-depth research report that you've done on the topic. Okay.
1: So we'll title it, What the Hell is Code Enforcement? It's a good one. Uh, Yeah, we'll do that. Um, First, I actually want to start with, how was your week? Mine? Yeah.
0: uh, We're going to take some calls? No. No, Um, no no
1: call. That was your week, Justin. (laughs) Mine was good.
0: It was was busy. I got uh, a lot going on projects and council presentations and non-stop code enforcement complaints rolling in via email uh oh. it's uh it's busy it never a dull moment so i think oh. that's every city i've been at it's been the same where uh you definitely don't get bored uh with the job
1: for sure yeah there's uh definitely ebbs and flows i think with weather and things like that so it kind of changes the amount of calls and frequency and stuff without going too far off down another right. road but uh no, it's 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 good to be busy. Yeah, I think it keeps our minds the wheel spinning and different opportunities to do different things. So it's it's good. Uh, my week was fine. It was good. It was a fairly routine week. I had a flat tire, so I had to get that taken care of in my uh, work vehicle. So that would, took much longer than expected. Um, I do have an L of the week for myself. Um, I did a uh, went to a complaint. I uh, had to talk to this lady about a uh, a balcony that was. Uh, broken and why she needed to get a fix. We'll just sum it up that way. And when I was leaving her uh, residence, I pulled the door handle off of her front door. Um, so I just added it to the list of something that she needed to correction. No, and I'm just kidding. No, Superman I pulled it status. off. the yeah, yeah. I pulled it <laughs> off and I like kind of looked back at her and looked at my partner. And, like, can you believe this has happened right now? I'm like, it's a okay, little okay, loose. You go. I'm like You're your handle here you go. And I handed it to her. <laughs> so uh, yeah, no, it was a good week. It was, uh, it was productive. Um, you know, I, I, I I can't complain. There was nothing too crazy or glaring that I think I need to bring up. It was, it was good. Just, you know, projects and our city, we're getting a new fitness court for the community and stuff like that. So there's like a lot of, a lot of good projects like that, that we're doing. So
0: that's good to have code tied into that. I, uh, one of my previous cities, we actually, uh, the whole city staff, including code, we, uh, got to help build a city park in a day and awesome. it was uh through a nonprofit. but basically residents could come out city staff came out it was just kind of fun to come out on a saturday and uh pour concrete put the the, the whole playground together screw by screw but it's it's rewarding
1: i know some cities have done like you know where they go out and plant trees in community parks yes. and stuff like that so that's awesome it is but uh to jump into the the uh, subject of our episode today what this code enforcement. What do we do? What the hell is it? What the heck? Whatever you want to say. So just doing a quick search, pulled some stuff up here. According to payscale.com, I have a couple of bullet points here. They investigate, enforce municipal land development and property maintenance codes within the city boundaries, which is a mouthful. Hmm. Uh, they do systematic property maintenance inspections to preserve minimum standards and the safety and welfare of individuals.
0: Oh, well stated.
1: Yes. And they... Uh, notify responsible parties of code issues given and written by phone in person and electronic correspondence. So that's according to payscale.com. It sounds like what we do. It's actually not that bad of a summary to be honest. I mean, there's a lot more to very it broad. But I think as a, uh, just a general generic definition, I don't think it's terrible. Um, Wikipedia has one is sometimes encompassing law enforcement an act involving, uh, Enforcing the set of rules, principles, laws, or ensuring observance of the system of norms or customs.
0: Wow, sounds so very official. I think we yes. we have a very important job that we do.
1: It sounds awesome. It does. I, it just I don't know if it plays out that way though. Uh, the other
0: the other part to it that we discussed um, previously was salaries, and you know what's what? We, what are we making? Because here in California, where we're at, you know, we can see code code enforcement officers. Uh, starting salary anywhere from mm-hmm. probably the 40s or 50s all the way up to 100, 120 plus. Uh, You're talking um, annually. Annually, yes. Right. But I, I, I did a search of it uh, on this website, G O O G L E. It's pronounced Google. They, um, they stated that its uh, average code enforcement officer makes in the United States is fifty nine thousand and ninety nine dollars. So that's the average across the United States. I like how which, they rounded it out with the ninety-nine. Yeah, that was, that was good. I like that. Can it's I good. throw a dollar at it just to yeah, make just,
1: it clean? Can we call it? Yeah, just sixty. Yeah, let's call that? it
0: sixty at that point. But what do you what do you think about that? Do you think that's uh, on point? Do you think it's well deserved, uh, or are we lacking financially?
1: Um, I think if you use the definition I just read off, then it's nationally, it's probably pretty good. From, yeah. when you talk from california to new york from you know down to the panhandle up to oregon uh washington it's it's i would say that's probably a very good number you know we'll just call it 60. i think yeah. that's pretty good nationwide.
0: that's probably like entry level starting you know we're not talking officer two uh senior seniors, seniors officer.
1: Officer. right yeah you know, yeah because that's well that's another thing as to pay depends on your classification how it's broken down Right. So, some cities I've had, you're just officer and then go to senior. There was no like one, two, three, and then a senior or a supervisor. Mm-hmm. It was just you had your step increases, you know, one through five or whatever, but you were always titled an officer one. So,
0: yeah, I think it's a good average. As you know, here in California, when you get to the bigger cities, San Diego, LA, yep. San Francisco, the cost of living is through the roof. And I've heard, not confirmed, but I've heard that. Some entry level code officers easily make six figures, but they're commuting in, you know, one to two hours because they can't afford that. I don't think that's a, that's the trade
1: off. I yes. think and people, we, we'll just talk about, you know, if we're going to zoom in on just California for a second here. Um, if you're in an area where you're making six figures at an entry level code enforcement position, you know, say so you're making 110, 115, even, you know, right at 100, we'll call it 100,000, you are not living within the vicinity of that, because mm-hmm. the reason they're paying you that much is because the cost of living, it's still astronomically higher than what you can even afford in that area. It's a trade-off. So, you know, we, we talked to different people and, you know, code enforcement and stuff like that, you know, five, 10 minute communities. so I work in my city and stuff like that. That's great. But I, very rarely do I find across or come across code enforcement people in California where they actually work in the city um, and also live there it just doesn't i just don't think it happens it's very rare you're kind of priced out almost of your job yep which has an interesting aspect to code enforcement as it is you know and and i kind of tell people about this when i introduce myself and why i'm there and doing this whole thing it's like hey i need you to help me with this problem because this is your city like i get a paycheck i get benefits. I care about what I do, but ultimately you're the one that lays your head down here at night and sleeps here and is involved in these community activities on a way larger scale than I'll ever be. So I like to tell people that because I I don't live there. Like take ownership of your community, right? Or like whatever the solution or problem is, like just be there for that.
0: Oh yeah, they definitely, I think, try to get the buy-in from the residents. I know for me, uh, I do make that commute um i would never be able to afford this it, to live in the city i work in uh my i couldn't one, either one to two hours away yeah so i was
1: doing that commute did that for a while yeah and i it's, just same thing it's like i you know even if i wanted to live in the city where i worked not couldn't, couldn't do it you nope. just not based on the salary and also but, according to pay scale the average dollar amount is 18.26 cents an hour
0: 18 bucks an hour yeah
1: hmm. is the average According and and I've scale. talked to
0: inspectors at different states where they do have the ability to live and work in the same city. I think cost of living is a little bit lower. California is obviously on a different, whole different tier, right? Because of cost of living, but yeah, it's salary is interesting. I, I do think you know there's room for improvement in my opinion. I, I think it's 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 fifty nine sixty k. That's not bad, but uh, we definitely can improve on that.
1: Would you say that's not nationally that's good? But if you're an entry level code officer in California, would you would, would you be looking at a job? You know, maybe have a little training, maybe have a little experience, maybe not. I mean, are you looking at a job that's going to pay you sixty grand?
0: I think entry level starting sixty to seventy k. I think
1: is pretty typical. Um, I wouldn't say adjusting, yeah, in five dollars. <laughs> <laughs> but once again, that's something to consider, right? I mean, yes. if you're commuting though, know, and you're that entry level guy.
0: I mean, oh, yeah it's, you get, it's a you whole other. i mean you gotta factor cost. in a lot so well with code enforcement uh it's, it's such a umbrella topic and i think state to state city, to city, you you hear about the different job descriptions their duties assigned so i think generally speaking i'd like to say that if you were to say well, what the hell does a code enforcement officer do on a daily basis and i would describe it as they either reactively or proactively go out into the community and they look for nuisance violations. So these are typically uh, municipal code violations, which are locally adopted, but they can also enforce state laws like building code and health and safety codes, housing codes, but you're essentially going out and you're looking for those specific type of issues, whether it's overgrown vegetation, in-op vehicles, trash and debris, um, graffiti, uh, shopping carts, dumping, uh, all the above. And then if you catch a contractor people doing pooping? unpermitted
1: construction, what was that like people pooping, like dumping,
0: uh, that wouldn't be
1: my job duties. Um, I, I, but I'll tell you what it happens. That'd be unfortunate. It's <laughs> right. That's homelessness, right? Do we not deal
0: with that? Oh, here? Yeah, yeah. We deal with the, the, the homeless camps, um, correct in you know, the vacant structures, things like that. So, uh, it's a dirty job and, and I think you have to have a, a personality for this. And this came up in a discussion I had with some of my, my team uh, this week too, is what is the you know what's the mentality of a code enforcement officer? You can't just say, hey, I need a job that pays decent. I, um, I'm just gonna sign up for it. Um, until you really start doing the job, you really, you don't really understand how intense it can be. Um, I don't think it's, I wouldn't never call it a cakewalk. It's going to no. be very difficult because not only do you have to have great people skills, but you're going to also have to manage casework and your time. And so it, it's a very unique job. And I, I applaud the people that get into it and realize it's not for them and they, they find something else. Right. But unfortunately you get some people that it's not for them, but they still stick in there and it, it doesn't really uh benefit anybody when
1: you're sticking a job that you just don't connect with. Right, they're um, just going through the paces. Yes. You know, they're kind of faking it, you know, because they realize, hey, the pay check. isn't that, that bad. You know, benefits are pretty good. You know, it's just I don't know. And it's a and unique think, job. Yeah, I think one thing for sure with code enforcement, you know, we can look at these definitions and all that stuff, but um you don't really know what it is until you do it. It's it's that's I think that's easy to say. You know like doing it for a while now and looking back and stuff like that like you don't know you know military stuff people don't know unless you actually go do the job law enforcement you don't know unless you actually go do the job and i guess anybody could say that but when you are going to different neighborhoods enforcing these ordinances and doing you know the different type of enforcement action in whatever neighborhood it is whatever it's having you do you know, there's a certain person and maybe not even person, but there's a certain demeanor on how you go about that and how you carry yourself and you represent the city. Like you have to be able to step outside yourself and realizing you're just a small piece of this big picture. Right. I mean, that's, that's how I think about it. I mean, that's, I mean, what's your, what do you think about that? I mean, is there just a disconnect of people that don't make it? Is there just a lack of understanding the job? Is it just, the right people aren't getting into this field or is it just, I mean, what do you think?
0: I think it's a unique field. I mean, there's so many titles for it. A lot of people can describe as like we're counselors, uh, we're mitigators. And if you don't have a knack for that and you you don't have thick skin to, to get cussed at yelled at, and then also try to calm them down and resolve that, then it's not really your career. I mean, it's like, if you gotta, person is your doctor and the guy hates medicine and just hates doing his job and giving out medicine every day, probably don't want him as your doctor. So, I mean, with code, you, you want to have somebody that actually appreciates what they do. And I know not every day is great uh, week to week. I could have a, a really crappy day, uh, whether it's being chewed out on the phone or dealing with, you know, some political situation, but then the next day could be really great. And I see that a, a two-year-old case finally gets abated and it's spotless. And then, you know, makes me happy that when I go home, so it's, it's yeah. a very, like you said before, it's ebb and flow, it's up and down uh, type of job, but you have to have an knack for that. You, you have to have people skills and be willing to seek resolution. You can't just see this as a paycheck because this job requires you to be a, a self-starter. That's just really focused on re- uh, seeking resolution.
1: No, absolutely. And, and I think, You know, you can go 20, 30 years and not really care because you do just enough, you know, you get some compliance, maybe you get some good statistics out there to appease your supervision or whatever, but you just need to like find the people that are willing to invest more of their time, their personality and inject more of that into the culture of code enforcement because you just You know, like you said, it's there's these ebbs and flows. You come across people on their worst day, their best day. You could be having your worst day. Mm -hmm. You know, you could have just gotten the the biggest fight of your life with your spouse, girlfriend, boyfriend, whatever. And now you got to go to work and like act like everything's okay. Yep. Or at least do the job efficiently enough. And and I think there's something to that. And there's, you know, you don't have a job where you can just sit in a cubicle or sit in the back room and just keep to yourself all day. You don't have that ability in this job. So it's just, there's a, I always like, there's a balance. That's kind of what I say is there's a balance to everything and what's reasonable. And we may talk about this a little more in future episodes, but the the word reasonable comes up, I think, a lot in different trainings and events and seminars and KCO and all these different things. And it's important because, you know, what you think is reasonable may not be reasonable to them. So you have to convey that message, you know, or what they're explaining to you. It could be flip-flopped. Right. Like they what they're trying to tell you is reasonable, but you're not understanding it. Yeah. So I think there's, you know, you got to kind of have some empathy with people and just be have some understanding because we do community relations. That's what we do. I don't care what anybody says. I don't care what definition I read you. I don't care what statistic you pull up. My opinion is it is community relations, community enhancement, community relations, building bridges, getting over it, whatever you want to call it. That's what we do. As code enforcement, we may have a different process that goes about it, but that's what we do.
0: I agree, and then to piggyback on that, I think that summarizes the essence of our profession. Whether you have different titles and you're an inspector in the building division, housing code enforcement uh, doesn't matter. Fire inspector doesn't matter what your title is. We we regulate codes, we do inspections, we interact with the public to ensure that they're safe, the community is safe. Uh, I think the titles just reference more of what type of codes you're enforcing. I mean, code enforcement officers, I think, right. are very broad, but usually a housing inspector is going to be enforcing housing code, uh, okay. fire inspectors enforcing fire code, and that's just the different variety of it. But we all share that same uh, passion and community relations, like you just mentioned,
1: that uh, is, I think, the true essence of what our job is. Are we talking code enforcement as a whole? like the umbrella we're talking about position I mean there's rental officers there's zoning inspectors there's permit technicians building inspectors all sorts of stuff I mean what I mean do you think it's just the mindset should be the same across the board or
0: I think, think it so I'd be more tailored well I, I agree I think what you described and that the community relations part of it the, the service to the community, I think it's across the board. I whether you're a bill inspector going out and meeting a contractor and you're issuing correction notes. I've heard stories where a contractor swings a hammer or gets very abusive, you know, verbally over a simple correction notice. I mean, and as you know, most bill inspectors aren't like code of enforcement officers where they're they're issuing citations left and right, or they're taking more serious enforcement. So even building inspectors just issuing a correction can have these hostilities. But they're interacting with the public every day. Uh, fire inspectors, when they go inspect buildings, they interact with property owners and business owners. You have to have that people skill to do this job. Otherwise, it's gonna you're gonna fail. The community is gonna fail with that. Uh, it has to be a two-way street where you're helping them and they see that you're willing to help and hopefully they come to the table too. So in that umbrella, yes, I think the essence should be there. But the the actual job that we do, the technical job, can vary between job titles.
1: Right. Yeah. I mean, it's just, I don't know. I But I think depending on how you look at it, your background upbringing, there's a lot of different things about this. Like for Mm -hmm. me personally, like my demeanor about going about my job is probably a lot different than some other people. You know, I, I tell people all the time, Hey, I rather not write this citation or I rather not write it or you receive it or whatever, but don't take my kindness for weakness. And you know, think I'm going to lose any sleep because I have to issue this notice. I'm going to go home, do the same stuff I got to do at home. And my day starts over tomorrow. Like, I have no problems, you know, writing you a ticket or not writing you a ticket because I have the ability to do that. But like, your demeanor should stay the same. Like, it shouldn't affect you one way or the other. You know, it, it, you still would carry your your business about how you normally would. Yes. Right. I mean, that, but like I said, my demeanor is a little different. Like, I'm, I'm to be a little more laid back. You know, I only amp it up if I need to, but like, that doesn't always solve stuff, always either. Like there's well, I, very few times where you need to do that
0: and I, and I agree i think you know it's a two-way street so you bring something to the table as professionally as calmly as you can but then judging your next step on how the other person reacts and if they're too amped up they're too emotional maybe there's a mental health situation what you're trying to get across to them is not going to get through
1: right and you have to be gonna, flexible in your approach right
0: and you might have to adapt i mean you could start off trying to be very nice. And then the guy starts chewing you out and then you have to adapt. You don't go toe to toe on that. You could adapt by saying, okay, this is not going anywhere. I need to back out and come back another day. Or you change the way that you're phrasing things. And that's something that I've had these conversations with my team is the phone calls I think are some of the worst. The phone calls. People have a louder
1: voice over the phone. (laughs) Oh yeah. People are a lot tougher over phone calls. I mean, you have to hold the phone like six inches from your head. Right, uh, if You and, go out there and meet them. You're like, what the heck? Like, why were you so irate? Like you don't well, talk like that they, they now, you know
0: what I mean? Yeah, yeah, exactly. And I, and I think it's, you know, the, the people that we deal with, um, they could be very emotional, so we, we have to be able to adapt. And if our, if we think we have a process and it's not working out, don't just give up and say, you know what? This person's not doing it for me so i'm i'm just going to walk away and, and write them yep. that citation try to figure out what's what's tick
1: making them tick yep. and see if you can change it everybody's got something oh, time yeah. money Definitely. those are usually the two biggest ones right it's going to yep. take me too much time to do this or you're taking too much of my time or it's going to cost me too much money i like what you said though about finding out what makes someone tick because you got going to have that you know and we'll discuss this and you know and i'll touch on it right now there's like you know, the black and white part of any job code enforcement included about, oh, it needs to be like this or needs to be so left or so right. We don't operate like that. Everything we do is the muddy part in the middle, the gray, we'll call it. We operate in the the gray gray because there's that human element involved. You're a human, the person you're contacting is a human, you know, there's a lot of things that are unaccountable in that transaction. So you have to be able to have that flexibility and kind of figure out, like you said, like what makes them tick. I think you said that perfect because everybody's different. You have your same routine, but you got to, you got to be able to adapt to that situation. I mean, absolutely. Because you can't just be so rigid where you're like, Nope, this is it. This is what's going on. That's like, that's crummy. You know, think about all the times you try to call customer service for Verizon, AT&T at the bank, anything you've ever tried to do over the phone and the people are just like, no, no, it doesn't this feel the, good either. This is the way. This is this is this is the way. Right. <laughs> so it's like, yeah, so I don't know.
0: Well and, and I think it, it plays a good part into a question I was gonna ask you too is is the difference between your first year on the job and we can call that a rookie and being 15 20 even up to 30 years on the job i've met people with that type of experience and they're more veteran there's a personality difference there typically uh, i won't say all the time but when you meet somebody that's been doing the job for 27 years versus somebody that's been doing it for 6 months you could tell a difference
1: You mean they're salty <laughs> well I, I was years, uh, i was staying you, away are, from the or you going the other way the terminology okay no salty's good we can use that you're talking uh, green as opposed to being salty. Yes. Okay. Let's green call salad it, versus, it, versus salt it, Let's just call it what it is. And so and, you mean you're all bright-eyed and bushy-tailed when you're new? Yeah. And like your way to go about it's different, or well, what, and you're also you gun ho. Okay. I
0: mean, I I remember doing that my first year too. It's like okay, you want to prove yourself. Like I know what a violation is, so you go out there and you want to write this up because I you want to show house. you know what you're doing. Right. And but then when you're 27 years in the job. Um, you're like, oh, seen it, done it, been there. And it's, I think there's, there's a different thought process and I see why, but I get, I hear from guys that, and gals that are like newer, maybe not first year, but a couple years. Right. And they join a team where it's got a bunch of people that are 25 years plus, And they, you know, complain. It's like, well, they're not jumping up to complaints. They're not getting out there to do uh, inspections. They're, they're really just trying to just day by day, take it as easy as possible until right. retirement. Okay. And we see that. And I, and I'm only about halfway through my career, but I could see, you know, when that time comes, I could be in that same position possibly. Right. Um, but I hear that a lot is like you have junior staff and you got senior staff and how they blend together. Um you know, and you get some senior staff that say, Hey, to the junior staff, don't work too hard because it makes us look bad. And so that's that internal dynamic there on a team (laughs) bullcrap. (laughs) (laughs) Well, have you worked on uh, a a, a dynamic there where there's junior staff and more senior staff?
1: Yeah. So I've, I have a different take on this is a lot of it has to do with personality and how you are individually and how you conduct business on a day to day you know, operation of your life with family, friends, work, whatever. You know, if you're that if you are mature enough to recognize who you are as an individual, you know, whether you're day one at a job or not, you're probably gonna tend to be more like that even 30 years later. You may become salty with the job in particular because now you know like the nuances of the job, you know, and you've had like leadership changes and all these different things. So I can see you being salty about that. But I don't think people change big time personality wise Mm -hmm. you know from when they start out to when they're not you may you may slow down a little bit or back off like hey i don't have to go hit every house this week right or you know i don't have to be you know just like eager beaver and going all stuff and gung-ho and like you like so that may slow down but i think you still like conduct business the same Mm -hmm. if that makes sense and well fortunately and fortunately i guess a lot of when you get that 27, 30 years, 25 years, people kind of lose sight of how it was when you were like the junior code enforcement guy or the new guy. So my experience is what happens is they don't know how to kind of toe that line or keep keep both. Like, hey, you can't act different now because you have 25 years on and are now a supervisor, you know, than you just were six months ago when you were just a code officer. Or whatever, you know what I mean. So if we're talking just like strictly age and experience and stuff like that, I mean, it's there's there becomes a disconnect between like the junior people and the people that have been there a while. But I think as a whole, however you conduct business from day one, unless something crazy happens in your life, you're probably going to continue to do that throughout your career. You're just more experienced. Does that? I mean, I don't know if I'm conveying that properly, but like you as a person doesn't change, maybe how you do business somewhat changes.
0: I agree. Yeah, I think it's um, a lot of people will go through that slight shift, which is no matter where they come from in their personality, but usually in that first year or so, there's a focus on, I'm trying to prove myself, I might be on probation. I'm gonna get out there, show that I know what I'm doing. But I'm is, the new guy. I'm the new guy, and then you you start to slow down. You get the dynamic of the team. You you get guidance from a supervisor, and you start to realize, okay, this is enough to be productive and not stress myself out. Mm-hmm. Um, but you find that medium as you yep. go forward. Yeah,
1: no, for sure you yeah. do. I think you just you get to a spot where you're, you know, you're confident in your abilities. Mm-hmm. You're confident where you stand within your your, you know chain of command, you know, and everything like that, where you are amongst your peers, and then you're good with it. And, but yeah. I think that happens to everybody.
0: And you have to have that confidence dealing with the public too. It's the the longer you do the job, you know what the codes are, you know what the process is. So you don't get caught in this corner when somebody questions you, or mm-hmm. you know some residents do, they like to grill you and say, well, what code section is this? Or what right. gives you the authority to do this? And if you're six months in and you don't know that, you don't have the confidence, you're like, right. um um let me talk to my supervisor right i but- was a
1: fire inspector for 30 years you don't know what you're talking about it's like, <laughs> right. well i mean I, you might be right but a lot of differences definitely i'm glad you brought that up between being the the junior person you know or being new as compared to the the salty person because there are some differences mm-hmm. and i think confidence is a big part of it and i tell people all this time that um maybe have less experience than i do you know i don't know anything by any means but um I just tell them, like, just be confident in what, you know, like you don't have to know everything. Like, just, you know, this, we just talked about this, or we just had training about this and you're experiencing this. Just be confident in what, you know, don't be so timid about questions they may ask you or, you know, well, I don't know about this. And do I need to consider that? It's like, just, you can figure that out later. Like, just look into it. Just look into it. Tell them, Hey, I know a b and c for sure this has got to go or you got to change this or i can work with you with Mm -hmm. this but like d and f like i'll get back to you there's no problem in that i don't think there's you don't you know and we'll discuss this and discuss right now maybe is that i always you can always get another set of eyes to come out there and look at it you know have somebody on your team that you trust that either has more experience than you or is better at the book stuff than you maybe be or you might be, maybe be—is that even a thing? I don't know. It sounded sounded good. To it sounded me. good, maybe be. I, yeah, maybe, maybe? <laughs> we we'll just yeah, whatever. Um, and like bring that person out there to look at it. I used yes. to do that all the time. You know, four or five years in. You know, even three years, you're like confident. You've been doing your job. And it's like, man, this is kind of a weird thing. Can you come out here and look at this with me? And you should have somebody on your team. Your organization should have somebody that you're able to do that or there's enough cohesiveness and they foster that type of environment where you can just be able to grab people like, hey, come meet me here, come meet me here. Hey, look at this. Hey, do you need help with this? You should be able to have that traffic both ways.
0: I think a good topic down the road is um, like mentorship and and, uh, senior staff coaching the more junior staff to to share that knowledge because in code enforcement, as you'll, you'll admit to, is not every case is the same, even if it's got the same violation. Every property you go out to year after year, it's a whole different situation. Yep. I've not, I don't think I've had repeats unless it's the same property, but code enforcement, that I like this aspect of code enforcement where every day, every year, it's you don't know what you're going out to. Yep, It's a whole different case and a whole different background with a resident that you don't know much about. And so-
1: that Or anything, creates that,
0: maybe. Oh, yeah. And, that, and that's what creates the interesting mm-hmm. fact about this job is- we, we get to do such a variety of, of things.
1: I think the job stays the same, but like you said, like just because you interacted with somebody about, we'll say an operative vehicle, or we'll say an op on here, mm-hmm. you know, unless people don't know it's a, a band vehicle, junkyard vehicle, a vehicle that doesn't, you wouldn't want parked in the driveway of your neighborhood. We'll put it to that way. Four flats, missing plates, whatever you want to call it. Everybody does it a little different. Um, Just because you had a good interaction with that person, doesn't mean the house on the next street over car is the same situation Mm -hmm. does not mean your interaction is going to be the same or your process is going to be the same exactly like and i say process and how you go about it's the same like your paper trail may be the same and your documentation is the same but don't take for you know granted that your last one the guy was like oh cool and complied with you or guy or gal and then next one, you know, you could have it going, you know, four months, six months. You're at a couple citations. You got to go to like some board meeting about it or, you know, whatever. Cause now this guy just won't move his car. You have to be able to talk to people in your team about getting these things accomplished and moving forward. Cause, mm-hmm. cause, and you bring up mentor. I like that a lot. And one thing I want to touch about that is having a good mentor. <laughs> not just the person that's been there the longest, because that right. doesn't necessarily mean anything. And, and that's just my own experience. You know, there's a reason why they're still probably an officer one at 25 years. Mm-hmm. You know, possibly, maybe not, maybe there's some other stuff going on. But like people should be able to recognize, like, when the, the good leaders are, even if they're not in a good leadership or in a leadership position.
0: Oh, I agree. And, and I think that's going to be a great topic because. You can't I just call go on for anybody a mentor. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. There's such a variety, man. You and I had talked about on these episodes, doing a, a search of uh, articles that are out there to mm-hmm. see kind of what, what's the flavor uh, going on about code enforcement. Flavor so, of the week. Yes. It's a hot tamale. Yes. Oh, <laughs> well, I'm, I'm all in. <laughs> well, I, one of the first ones I found that I wanted to just touch on that, uh, it was actually just released less than 24 hours ago it's titled council's new housing chair wants tougher building code enforcement and just an excerpt of, from this it says that the council member sanchez who's the chair of the committee for housing and buildings says city housing officials should uh, more quickly follow up on building violations after an initial inspection and hit derelict landlords with tougher fines and okay. she's focused on code enforcement at her next hearing. So I I feel like we hear this quite a bit about uh sometimes an of uh complaints gets very political. It could just be one case, not a epidemic, but just one that gets the ears of a council member and it becomes a citywide concern. <laughs> and you know, she's using her platform to talk about how do we address this? And I think it's great. We deal with slumlords. We deal with people that don't invest as they should into fixing their property. They just want the rent. And I think I'm all for Elected officials putting more resources, more funds into a code enforcement program. And it's tough because as you know, there's due process. Uh, we don't always have the best contact information for an owner. So you're dealing with the snail mail of getting, mm-hmm. you know, the turnaround. And you know, even if they get it, they might not want to even work with
1: you. So it's we yeah, just tough because situation. you send it doesn't mean they're going to respond. No, it, that's a it's an interesting article because it for me it identifies a couple things: time frame. Mm-hmm. And like the lack of you know getting these cases closed we'll call it you know and then having to deal with these property owners that are i don't want i hate you using slumlord because you know for them it's running a business in a certain manner or not but uh the time frame and then like these problem properties it sounds like what the biggest issue is so and if they i'd be curious to see what happens with this because there's a couple different things that come to my mind is do you have the people to be able to handle it and do you have the technology to be able to you know support that now, there's a reason why probably these cases are kind of getting they're lasting longer than they should be right and sometimes it could just be as easy as staffing
0: oh yeah we could always get more staff and i'm i'm happy to see the future of code because if you look back at the past code was a very small uh, job and mm-hmm. as you see cities are starting to add to their staffing provide more resources so we're, we're going the right direction uh it's just we're not at the at the finish line yet but um i, I think it's always great when i see articles where city council sees that there's an issue uh that there's yeah. concerns and we need
1: to put the right resources there which helps us out you test on the building uh, official and inspector part what what do you feel about code some people say, Hey, we we could be more like generalist, right? Like we do code stuff. You should know some building. You should know some, you know, plumbing code, maybe mm-hmm. property maintenance code. I mean, what, what do you feel about that? And we'll just, you know, because they talked about, you know, speaking with code enforcement in this case, but it sounds like there's building issues as well. That might be outside of their code enforcement. I mean, how do you feel about that?
0: Uh, yeah, it's a great point. That's something I actually, I had a, a colleague ask me about this interest towards, Kind of the title of combination inspector where okay. there are cities i'm aware of that a code enforcement officer is a combination inspector and they do code enforcement and building so they have their building certifications and they also enforce uh code enforcement cases so i think it's great as long as the the training is there the the salary is there to pay for that that extra knowledge, but I also don't see the problem with splitting it up. Every city I've worked at, I've had a great relationship with our building inspectors that they'll come out for you know eyes on more of the technical stuff, mm-hmm. and then you know we document that and we we pursue the case. So I, I I see that a combo inspector does have benefits because you have somebody that is more well rounded when right.
1: you go out to a property. Everywhere I've worked, I've just been a code enforcement uh community improvement whatever mm-hmm. title got changed to and then we've always had a pretty good relationship with our building department building official building inspectors you know they were always hey can you come look at this kind of like we talked about before but outside using a totally different department and we'll talk about that too i mean code enforcement, engineering planning building you know stormwater runoff you know complaints i mean that's why i say generalist because we kind of do a little bit of everything Know with code enforcement, but you we have to have, have those relationships to be able to you know call on these different peoples for experience.
0: Um, and that's something that I think training plays a good part too. Is over the years at my different cities, I decided to go out and get extra training. So I mm-hmm. went through uh, and got my fire inspector one, and so I could help with understanding a little bit more of the fire code issues, and then also definitely in code enforcement. So I think it's good to always seek that knowledge. rounded, yeah.
1: Yes, agreed. Like, cause we don't, we don't, I mean, the code says we do things specifically, like as far as a, what a violation, but like kind of what we do in our job, we are kind of generalists. And then that yep. gray area, I mean, that's just, you know, so i would be curious to see like what comes from this case mm-hmm. um, and what happens with that. So, okay. I brought this up because they touched on the, um, the time part of it and then these long lasting cases. Right. So, mm-hmm. and you brought up slum words so uh code enforcement this is why code enforcement is important code enforcement officers are important local government professionals who play a vital role in keeping a community safe and appealing Mm -hmm. they keep it safe by ensuring buildings are built and remodeled so the structures will stay standing with function uh, and will function properly i think the big thing is the safety and appealing part because i don't know about you but a lot of this stuff comes up and it's like Hey, code enforcement's there to maintain your property values or to improve them, right? I mean, I'm sure you've heard that before. I don't know what your organization or your agency does or how it feels about that. I mean, what do you think about that aspect of its quality of life? And it's also there to maintain, I guess, the certain value of a neighborhood or bring the value up.
0: I agree. And I think it's actually connected because if you look at the job description or the mission statement of most divisions for code enforcement, usually will say something along those lines about improving the community, enhancing the community and in, in return for that, you'll see property values go up. Mm -hmm. So they might not say code enforcement is specifically here to maintain property values or increase property values, but everybody knows that the job and the duties assigned directly relate uh, to the increase in property values. If, if it's a very active code enforcement program where you do address a lot of these issues and some agencies have it worse off than others. The staffing resources aren't there. Mm -hmm. And so no matter how much work they put into it, they're fighting an uphill battle. Whereas higher end cities that have the money, they could hire a lot of extra code officers
1: and you could address every little thing that pops up. Yeah. Or it's like, or, you know, departments are stunted by politics money it could be you know philosophy and the unwillingness to think outside the box or Mm -hmm. you know what's what's the cliche if it ain't broke don't fix it but just because what you have isn't working well either you know what i mean like just because you've never changed it or never wanted to do anything different doesn't mean that what you're doing is the best way to go about it either exactly so i was always a big fan of this i have some colleagues that hopefully we can uh we can you know get on here one day and and when we have our guests and stuff like that, you know, ranging from junior people all the way up, but yes, we would always talk about um, evolving and innovating code enforcement. It should be like an ongoing thing, not just, Hey, we got room in the budget to try to do this, or, you know, it's under this new leadership philosophy from city management all down and this and that's like, no, like it should be coming from the people that are doing the work in your group and like always evolving, like, Hey, we have an opportunity to do this because COVID allows us time to work on these processes to reevaluate it. You know what I mean? So I don't know. I think we should always be moving in a manner where it's the positive progression for the market values and the safety and everything involved in that with code enforcement in these communities, because ultimately it's going to impact them the most.
0: It's important. I think that the staff, the team that we have, and code enforcement are focused on how do we do the best that we can most efficiently and then mm-hmm. also be our own cheerleaders where we're trying to promote to the council to the residents hey we're doing a good job for the city marketing know, no, I'm just yeah and well that's that's a whole other topic is the whole marketing side of it but you really have to be your own cheerleader and that's what yeah. i i try to say is whether you're doing presentations to council about what code's doing, or you're doing, if your city has a social media account, trying to promote code enforcement does it, it as that positive vibe to it versus oh they're just here to inspect and find. I I attended a training the other day, uh, a virtual one, and they and I've seen this before on other trainings. There's a popular probably on Google, but a popular image. That's a patch, like a police patch, but it says "code enforcement" to inspect and fine. And I, I wouldn't nice. say that. Nice kudos that's...
1: to you know creativeness of that, right? <laughs> I but that, I, was, I... that was on the Transformers movie on the side of the cop car i mentioned a slave right it's right like, geez man like,
0: it, it's a little it's a little aggressive and i, I think that's what we're talking about The too the, much the mentality is if you're saying we're here to inspect and fine you're starting off on the wrong foot you know we're here to inspect and, and resolve and i think inspection is a, a key part of it because we're putting our eyes on it but at the end of the day our mission is always to resolve it because wouldn't you agree that it's not about the money that we make that you wrote a $5,000 citation, but hey, I got that hoarding case closed in six months and it's beautiful. The The neighborhood stopped complaining. They they told council, wouldn't you rather have that than say, oh yeah,
1: I got a $5,000 ticket out of that. Yeah. yeah. I mean, yeah. The safety part is the, the more important part is the priority. And then like the keep the neighborhoods appealing part
0: mm-hmm.
1: is the, you know whether that means fines, um NOVs notice of violations for anybody that doesn't know um you know whether legal teams have to get involved or what have you i just i, I don't think the fining part anybody gets a kick out of that i mean i could be wrong and we talked about this earlier is like but me personally my demeanor is i rather not if there's a different way to go about it and you're asking for another week two weeks and i can justify that and you're going to get the case closed cool like, and you're going to comply with what I'm asking, but I don't know. That's the, the punitive part is, you know, just continually citing people, citing people and citing people and citing people and citing people. I don't, I'm not a big fan of that. Like, you know, you should be able to get a couple or three or whatever your process tells you, and then you move the case forward to a higher level. Like eventually some it's the case is going to get close. And I used to have an old coworker, you, know, you used to tell me this all the time and I kind I like it. Is hey, the city's not going anywhere, right? Like they can put you off, they can ignore your notices, you know, whatever. Like we're not going anywhere, right? Like you could leave and get fired. Somebody else is going to pick that case up and start and start with it. Exactly. Right. I mean, it's not. We're not going anywhere. So, I don't know. I'd be curious to see what did it. What did the patch exactly say again? It said it said code enforcement on the top and then below it said to inspect and fine i don't want to work there <laughs> if that's a real like, if that's a real thing like that's horrible i know yeah i, I don't think be, it, it, i mean maybe tongue-in-cheek and maybe like and we all have this crazy amount of like humor that we all deal with that is closely related i think that i've found in the military and law enforcement and the things that we're able to joke about but uh i don't know like publicly like that out there and we're kind of like live by that's a little much
0: yeah i, I think you know and and good good humor it, it's it can be a laughable thing but um but sometimes it should just stay
1: within the locker
0: room right the lot and that's the point of that is is the yeah. locker room environment not professional training to right. you know hundreds of <laughs> yeah people have
1: seen it out there yeah sometimes it's a little much
0: well and i think this is a a great
1: introduction what the hell code enforcement is <laughs> my wife asked me this she goes are you guys cussing on this i go i i mean i don't think i did i usually have a when i <laughs> when i'm able to i used to <laughs> have a mouth that will run just like anybody else's but I'm like, yeah, I'm, same so I'm like i'm like we're gonna call it what the hell and she goes you mean heck i go no we gotta emphasize the hell part like what <laughs> the hell is code enforcement
0: what the hell is code enforcement i think we answered pretty good in summary, I would say it's so I vague, so. so broad that we can only say so much about it, but I, I felt like we touched on a lot of the good aspects of it yeah, about some the general
1: definitions and about like what we think it is.
0: And I think we did answer what the hell code enforcement is. And uh, it's a good insight to talk about the different experiences. We, we talked about the articles and then also how we interact with different levels of experience on our teams that you could know what the job does but it's also how you handle yourself in the job that's the biggest thing it is it's a personality thing and so i I think we
1: really hit on on some awesome topics for one so what what do we uh what do we think about the training part of it as far as starting out in code enforcement you know because you've seen different stuff. I mean, I pulled something up earlier and it's like, oh, to be a code enforcement officer, you just have to have a GED or a high school diploma. Right. You know, which is true. I mean some places they don't Most require much. Mm-hmm. You know, other places require a lot more. You know, and then you know our state for example, you can be a code enforcement officer, but that doesn't mean you're a state certified one. Like there's different trainings for that. I mean, what do you think about
0: I think in the long run, it's always great for us to solidify training and minimum standards for that. You look at building inspectors, building officials, fire inspectors, There's they have some uh, basic training that is across the board. And ICC has done a great job at that to standardize some basic training uh, for the different types of, of certifications. But for us, code enforcement still has a long ways to go because we're still fragmented yeah. between state to state. KCO has done a great job with getting the certified code enforcement officer uh, th- across the legislation so that that's an actual uh, requirement here in California yeah. uh, to have that status. But if you look at other organizations, they might not have an actual certification program. Uh, they might have some ongoing trainings, but I think at the very least every state should have a basic certified code officer that says hey you did at least this amount of training yeah. uh, to to do your job ace you know the american association of code enforcement they do have a certified code officer and a certified code administrator that ties into the icc test which yeah. i have done both of those i've gone through it. straightforward process and i do think those have a lot of value that they tie in that that training from icc so and i agree that certification is our foundation for our profession that it, it shows the public, it shows people. We at least know something versus, Oh, you have a GED welcome aboard. It's, Hey, I have a hundred
1: hours of training on this topic. Right. And that you should have some knowledge about it. You know, you tend to training like that, whether you're paying attention or not, you do the job long enough, you're gonna, you're gonna catch stuff along the way. And, you, you know, it's just, it's interesting. And we, we, Just so everybody knows, we just talk about KCO because this is the state, you know, organization where we live and that we're, you know, certified from. Mm -hmm. Just so, you know, we keep discussing KCO and stuff like that. Um, I know other states do the same thing. There's different stuff out there. Um, It just depends. I don't know what, like, I don't necessarily think you need to have a crazy amount of actual training to get into this job or this career i don't i and and i'll tell you why because i think the personality part of it and the demeanor part of it and your ability to communicate with people is just as important you know i think it's good if you find somebody that shows some initiative and they're directing their career path with code enforcement but i don't necessarily think that initially starting the most junior person necessarily has to have much. I'll put it to you that way. Because my experience, I was always like, hey, where do you wanna be in five years? I'm like, I don't even know what I'm gonna have for dinner. Like what, like what, like, I don't like, I hate that question. Yeah. Five years, 10 years from now, you're 17, 18 years old. Where do you wanna be at my, like, dude? I don't know. I just not dead in a ditch, right? Like let's just start there Great and start. Then we can fit and we can like, just, right. I set the bar high for myself, right? Like, <laughs> so I keep saying like, damn it. Once again, my approach to interviews is a little different than maybe the typical person. I smile. I laugh. You know, I'm making eye contact with people like you're supposed to, you know, you shake their hand. You do that whole, the whole normal professionalism thing that you should do when you meet somebody. But like do that, like be funny, be you. People get, you're already uncomfortable. You're wearing a suit, the, the shirt's too small because you haven't worn it in six months. You put on some weight, like you're already uncomfortable. You're sweating. The rooms are cranking up the heaters. It's never cold. You're sweating your butt off. Nothing fits right. Like just be you, like, just be cool with it. These people have jobs and titles and everything else like you, right? Like you, there's a professionalism that you have to have about yourself and a confidence and you need to be able to answer the questions with a certain amount of, knowledge but that doesn't mean you can't smile you know if one of them says something kind of funny yeah you can laugh at that you know these these people may never hire you what's it matter you know and if they do hire you then you have something funny to talk about oh my gosh in this interview this guy said he was gonna be city manager ha, 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 you know like i don't know i just i don't have a problem with that i find that great <laughs> <laughs> and that could be a great topic too down the
0: road is interview skills interview i love it love questions interviews
1: what do you think a good wrap for episode two I guess I mean I'm like trying to play back in my head I'm like hey did we even talk about you know anything that we wanted to talk about but I think think we did I think we did I think we identified you know kind of like the standard definition kind of what we thought about it you know and I think it's a good place to wrap it up oh and by the way uh, we do have an intro did we talk about that no we did not we did not share that oh my gosh okay so we have an official intro we have an official logo yes and we have an outro and we're still working on things but it's like a real deal now i'm very excited about very official yes and shout out to both uh on uh, both those um individuals on fiverr that was awesome they were very helpful the (laughs) intro and outro you guys are going to hear it it's awesome it's really good and speaking of that here comes your outro
0: all right Thanks for joining us on The Code Locker. Be sure to message us for questions or topics you'd like to hear. If you're enjoying the show, please feel free to rate, subscribe, and leave a review wherever you listen to your podcasts. Remember, friend, stay safe out there.
1: Jumping into that. I keep seeing you. I noticed that on the last one. God, I hate You know? You know? Right? You know? For sure. For sure. Like it's... Like... Yeah, like, like this, I try not to, um, but I keep repeating myself, you know, you know,